Hello and welcome to Texas Tech Health Check from Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center. I'm your host, Melissa Whitfield. We want you to get healthy and stay healthy with help from evidence-based advice from our physicians, healthcare providers, and researchers. What is anger? How do we deal with it? And how can we learn to manage it in a healthy way? And can anger affect our health? Those are some of the things that we discussed with Dr. Alan Karenik, licensed marriage and family therapist and managing director for the TTOHSC Employee Assistance Program and Program of Assistance for Students. He gives us some tips on managing anger and tells us why it's okay to feel angry. Dr. Karenik, welcome back to our podcast. Can you remind us again and tell us a little bit about yourself, your expertise, and what you do at the Health Sciences Center? Yeah, I'd be glad to do that. And thank you for inviting me to do another podcast. So I'm the uh, director of the Counseling Center here at the Texas Tech Health Sciences Center. I'm also a licensed marriage and family therapist. At our counseling center, Texas Tech employees and their family members can come and receive assistance and support. We also contract with a lot of other entities, school districts and such, who want to provide a counseling benefit for their employees. Well, again, welcome back. Thank you. Now, this time we're going to be discussing anger issues. It seems to be in the news a lot. What can trigger anger? Good question. And and there's actually a lot of things that can trigger anger. One writer called anger a messenger, which may be telling us something about our, our deeper frustrations, our unfulfilled longings, or the emotional pain that we may be experiencing. Anger, anger can be a signal that something is not right. And therefore, it must be attended to and perhaps fixed. And of course, there are many things in in a person's life at any given point that might not seem right. Also, anger is often a secondary emotion. And hurt or sadness or fear are underlying that, that anger. But rather than expressing those other primary emotions, anger is what people express. In a book that I really, really like entitled Hijacked by Your Brain, The authors talk about the brain's alarm in the downstairs brain that goes off when something threatens or we perceive that it's threatening our basic needs for safety, satisfaction, or connection. And anger is an emotion that may occur when our brain's alarm is is triggered. Although anger can manifest quickly and sometimes does when it's triggered, anger can also gradually build. Rather than being a flash flood, it can be like a rising tide. And sometimes when anger builds gradually, we may not recognize that anger is being triggered in us. Is it possible that there are other underlying disorders that feed anger? I think that that disorders, be they mental disorders or physical disorders, by their very nature create pain and fear and grief and and frustration. And and all of those things can feed anger. The level of anger that a person experiences when they have a disorder or the way that their anger manifests can certainly differ greatly from person to person. But often when someone expresses their anger in destructive ways, as like you said, we hear about in the news, we do learn that the person had some sort of a mental health diagnosis. 
But of course, we shouldn't assume that a person with a mental health disorder is therefore an angry person and and dangerous. I think sometimes people make that assumption, and and that really is a is an unfair conclusion that people may draw. Is anger itself a disorder? Some people may think it is, but the answer is no. Anger is not a disorder. The truth is anger is a normal emotion, and I will add a very necessary emotion. As I've said, anger is often a signal that something isn't right and must be attended to rather than ignored or avoided. At the same time, in order for anger to work for us and to be a force for good rather than a destructive force— Anger must be managed well, and unfortunately, that's often not the case. Do men and women deal with anger differently? Another great question, and and a lot of, you know, opinions about that. I remember being taught that men are more inclined to externalize their anger, that is to, to act out when they're really angry, while women are more likely to internalize that emotion, suppressing their anger rather than expressing it it outwardly. To be honest, I don't know what the current research says about all of that. We do know that historically, the gender differences in terms of how men and women handle anger had a lot to do with what girls and boys and women and men were taught about the expression of, of anger. Somehow it was more accepted by boys and men than by girls and, and women. So maybe as a lot of gender differences are, are shifting, maybe that one is shifting too. Like I said, I don't know what the current research says about that. Well, how about children? How does anger impact kids? For example, temper tantrums and fighting and throwing things. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, uncontrolled anger and, and repeated angry outbursts that children are witness to or or experience firsthand can certainly threaten a child's sense of security and and their sense of of safety. And so it's really important for for parents to to work at managing their you know their anger. Certainly, children can benefit greatly from witnessing the effective management of anger by their parents and, and by others. Um, parents who, who handle their anger well and, and allow their children to see that. You know, sometimes parents say, well, you know, we never argue in front of the kids. Well, sometimes giving children an opportunity to see not only that parents do argue, but that they can handle those arguments in, in a respectful way, that they can listen to each other, accept each other's influence, maybe use you know, a timeout if things are becoming a little too intense. That can be an invaluable gift to, you know, to our children. What research has shown harms children the most is when there is hostility, between parents, not just the occasional anger that gets expressed, but actual hostility, whether it's overt hostility or whether it's covert hostility. Research has shown that children who, are ex- who, who witness and experience hostility between their parents have more difficulty regulating their emotions, focusing their attention, and soothing themselves when they become upset. 
And obviously, if those kinds of things are happening in a child's life, it makes it more difficult for them to to be able to manage their anger. And I think we as adults, at least personally, I could have learned a lot from my son or from other children because I think children tend to forget or they just get angry and then they drop it and then forget they were angry at a person or angry at something and just yeah. move on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To, to be able to to be able to resolve the situation that caused the anger can be, you know, very, very important. Not that everything has to be resolved. Sometimes we just, you know, agree to disagree and then, you know, continue to love one another and care for one another. But if it's something that's a bigger issue, it really needs to be talked about. It needs to be resolved so that it doesn't fester and, and build and become attached to other things that are frustrations in a couple's relationship. So what are ways to manage anger? Yeah, you know, there's, there's a lot of good advice out there on, on managing anger, a lot of good tips and, and tools that people can use. I'll just mention a, a few of them. You know, earlier I, I mentioned that book, Hijacked by Your Brain. And in that book, the authors stress the importance of recognizing and acknowledging when we're experiencing a particular emotion and then trying to understand what, what's going on, what, what triggered that, that emotion. And what that requires is using our upstairs brain. And that is one of the keys to managing our anger is getting out of our downstairs brain where we have our fight or flight impulses and get back into our upstairs brain, our, our rational brain, also called our, our thinking brain. Getting angry also often involves something called priming where little things or relatively little things like stress, fatigue, hunger, and everyday hassles begin to add up and, and, and accumulate, and then they prime us to react more strongly to whatever is triggering anger in, in the moment. So recognizing that we may be coming primed can lead us to do something that will reduce the likelihood of us overreacting to you know, something that, that upsets us. There are other things that most of us are, are familiar with, listening to soothing music to calm ourselves down, going for a walk, engaging in some kind of physical activity or, or exercise. Many people find meditation and prayer to be beneficial when they're, when they're frustrated and, and upset about something. Seeking social support when we're angry can also be very helpful, provided that the person we reach out to for support can support us without saying or doing something that is going to increase our anger and our, our frustration. Sometimes that happens. And, you know, a really simple thing that we can do to calm ourselves when we're angry is, is to focus on our breathing and to slow our respirations and deepen our respirations because our breath is the body's natural gateway to the parasympathetic branch of the autonomic nervous system known as the rest and digest branch of the ANS. And so activating that branch enables us to get out of our downstairs brain back into our upstairs rational brain. And that, that can be real key when we notice that we're, we're feeling angry and upset. And, and, and 
I guess the last thing that I, I want to say about tips for managing anger is that since anger can build when we're only focused on the negative, practicing gratitude, counting our blessings, shifting our focus to positive things in our life, in the world, whatever, is another way to be able to, to manage that, that anger that comes from constant negative thoughts and, and rumination. But you know, Melissa, probably the biggest key to managing our anger is recognizing the need to manage it and then having both the desire and the willingness to manage it. Anger can be a very powerful force, and sometimes there's something about getting angry, particularly if it's, if it's righteous anger, that people can become a little, a little addicted to it almost, you know, and, and they may not be very motivated to do something to calm themselves down or, you know, to get back into their, their rational brain. Good anger management requires accepting the responsibility for managing one's anger and then putting forth the necessary effort to do so. Well, personally, I know whenever I get in my car, I just remind myself all the other drivers are distracted or not paying 100 as much attention as I am. So I prepare myself for that before yeah. I get on the road because there's there's no point in getting angry. Like you said, it's just it's not helpful. Yeah, and that's a, that's a great point too. So so anticipating those situations where anger may be triggered means you can go into those situations prepared not to overreact to them. And driving on the Lubbock streets is a good example of a situation that can certainly trigger trigger some, you know, anger. Yeah, definitely. So, how does anger manifest itself in people? Oh, that, that's a, another great question. You know, there's a lot of variability in how anger manifests from person to person. One of the things that people differ with regards how comfortable they are with expressing emotions, including anger. So, so some people wear their emotions on their sleeves, and it's not hard to tell when they're angry. Other people are harder to read. It can be easy to miss that they're angry or just how angry they might be. Also, someone might express their anger verbally by saying something like, I'm mad or I'm upset or I'm really frustrated. But often anger is expressed non-verbally through facial expression, through body language, through tone of voice and, and things of that kind. And being able to accurately read other people's signals when they're angry and understanding that there, there are those differences with people is certainly a worthwhile skill to, to develop. Also, changes in behavior can be a sign that a person is angry or becoming more frustrated with things in their lives. So a person who is becoming more distant, more argumentative, less cooperative, can be a sign that something's going on and, and maybe we need to ask, you know, uh, and, and express some care and concern for them. But again, a lot of variability in how, how anger manifests. Why do some let anger build up, and why is that dangerous? Yeah, and certainly there are people who do let their anger build up. You know, from a very early age, all of us are taught about anger in our families, whether directly or indirectly. In families where the expression of anger is not allowed or where it results in negative consequences like punishments or shaming, 
people may be inclined to keep that anger inside to avoid those those consequences, thus allowing it to, to potentially build up. But, you know, keeping anger inside can also be the result of growing up in a family where destructive anger is witnessed or experienced. A child might conclude that anger itself is a bad thing and therefore suppress that emotion, and that in turn can permit it to, to build up also. And, you know, to your question about is it dangerous? Yeah, when, when anger builds up, any number of negative things can, can result. The proverbial dam can break, allowing pent-up anger or frustration uh, to come pouring out and in doing so to cause considerable damage. Or maybe the anger builds up but doesn't come out. Maybe it stays inside and it, and it creates bitterness and resentment and inhibits growth or, or a resolution of, of anger. And many, many relationships are, are, are severely damaged because of bitterness and resentment that build because people hold that anger inside. And, and finally, substance use disorders can also result from constantly suppressing one's emotions, including anger. Can anger be bad for your physical and your mental health? Uh, what I would say about that is, is not anger itself, but the poor management of anger. As I said, anger is a, a normal and a necessary emotion. And if it's managed well, and if it's communicated well, then anger can contribute to a, a healthy life and healthy relationships. But when anger is not handled well, then it can have serious biopsychosocial consequences and greatly diminish the quality of one's life and relationships. Short and long-term health problems linked to poorly managed anger include headaches, digestive problems, insomnia, increased anxiety, depression, high blood pressure, skin problems, and heart attack and, and strokes. Also, you know, strained and failed relationships and work issues, maybe even job loss, can result from not managing our anger well. Is there anything else you would like to add? Oh, gosh, there's so much more, Melissa, that could be said about this topic. I really appreciate the questions that you asked. I think they were spot on and, and got at some of the most important issues about, about anger and not only about what anger is and how it manifests, but, but how it can be managed. And again, I think being motivated to manage one's anger is a key to, to really having anger work for us instead of working against us. So bottom line, being angry isn't bad. Correct. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you again for coming on our podcast and talking to us about anger, and we hope to have you again soon. Well, thank you, Melissa. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for listening to Texas Tech Health Check. Make sure to subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts so you won't miss our next episode. This information is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Always seek immediate medical advice from your physician or your healthcare provider for questions regarding your health or medical condition. Texas Tech Health Check is brought to you by Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center and produced by Tierra Castillo, Susanna Cisneros, and me, Melissa Whitfield.